It's the Chronicles of Aguna, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition, we're going to be talking Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We're going to be talking about uh, the confirmation that Martin Odegaard, Danny Ceballos, Matt Ryan have all uh, returned to their parent clubs, as well as, of course, David Lewis's departure, which will be officially taking place on June 30th. Uh, confirmation of that has also been put across by the club this afternoon. Uh, we're going to elaborate on some of the information that we brought to you on the last show as well. Uh, so looking forward to getting into all of that. But before we get into it, before we dive into it, I've got to make an apology for a couple of things. First of all, I've got the fan on behind me. So if you can hear the fan coming through ever so slightly on your feed, I apologise. But it is bloody roasting in this room. The weather is fantastic outside. It's beautiful. Absolutely loving it. But I am boiling in here and I have to close all the blinds and I have to close the doors because you can probably hear every single bloody dog in the neighborhood has decided to come out and bark just as I press the live button. Somebody in the garden behind me has decided that they want to cut their grass, uh, cut their grass, cut their grass during the Chronicles of Aguna. So it's all kicking off here uh, where I am. So, um, yeah, apologies if you can hear any uh, noises coming through. Uh, if you can't, then you're probably thinking, what the hell is he rambling on about? But anyway, we move forward. And let's begin with the story regarding Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, there was a report written today uh, by Matt Law of The Telegraph in which he says that Arsenal are considering uh, offers for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang this summer, that there are rumbles, um, they are... Uh, there are rumours, there are rumbles, there are whispers, there are murmurs that Arsenal would consider uh, selling Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang this summer if the right offer was to come in. And I've been saying that all season. You know, yes, it was great that we signed him up because we protected an asset. Yes, it was great that we'd done that deal because it sent out a real statement after Arsenal had just won the FA Cup. We were able to keep our best player, etc., etc., etc. So, you know, I don't have any qualms with Arsenal deciding to give Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang that contract and I don't disagree with them giving him that contract but based on what we saw last season I do think that if the right money was to come across the table Arsenal should consider selling him now it's not just because of his goal drought or that no, goal drought is the wrong term it's not just because his goal output dropped significantly he only managed 15 goals in all competitions last season it's because of a number of other factors. First of all, his age. His age is a problem. You're talking about a player who's soon to be 32. You know, you're also talking about the off-the-field issues that have seemed to sort of surface themselves over the course of this last 12 months or so. And we know, not even 12 months, over the course of the last season, but we know that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was quite notorious for being a little bit difficult uh, during his time at Borussia Dortmund. And when we signed him, people were saying, Aubameyang's a troublemaker and I didn't see it and we didn't see it 
as a fan base for the first couple of seasons. But there were a couple of incidents in the season just gone that make you wonder and make you question whether or not it's right to keep hold of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, this is all subject to an offer coming in, of course. If the money doesn't come, if the offer doesn't come, then of course you absolutely keep him because he is a player that is still very capable of scoring goals and beggars can't be choosers at the moment. But if somebody, in my opinion, was to come and offer 20 to 25 million pounds, and that might sound a little bit low to some, but as I've said repeatedly throughout the course uh, of these transfer shows, don't think you're going to get top value for players anymore because the world is just not in that place right now, um, particularly on the continent. And you'd imagine that a lot of these players that Arsenal are going to be trying to move on are going to be heading off to the continent. They're not necessarily going to be joining Premier League clubs and even Premier League clubs have been impacted. I just feel like the market is very, very different now. And so as controversial as it might be, if somebody was to come in and offer us £25 million, something in that region for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, I'd get him off the wage bill and I'd move him on because I think that we can um, or we probably should start to look for a longer-term replacement for him, uh, should start to be nurturing some of that talent uh, that we already have at the club and, of course, looking to bring somebody in because... For me, you know, as I said, it's not just the football. You know, it's not just that he's been a bit part player um, for large periods of games of football. Yes, he scored 15 goals, but he could have scored so many more. Um, you know, he's he's not been as clinical this time around as he was in years gone by. But, you know, turning up late to the North London derby, the thing with the with the tattoo, getting a tattoo during lockdown, breaching the rules um, and Arsenal having to deal with that as well. It just... You know, all of that is just not what you expect or want from your captain. And so, as I keep saying, show me the money for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and I would take it. I really would. And I think a lot of Arsenal fans are probably feeling that way off the back of that last season because he wasn't very good and perhaps more concerning than his dip in form, perhaps more concerning than him missing a few chances was the fact that there seemed to be some disciplinary issues creeping into that. And for me... That's when you know um, that that maybe Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is not quite as interested or as engaged as he was maybe 12 months ago. And so for me, Arsenal probably should be looking to move him on. In the event that he does move on, though, who replaces him? You know, if Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is to be sold, then I would look at giving Alexander Lacazette an additional year on his contract and seeing if we can use him uh, for the time being, whilst kind of blooding through some of those youngsters. I think Lacazette is brilliant for those youngsters. I think he has a really good relationship with many of them and he brings the best out of those who are set up to play around him. So I think he would be somebody I'd be looking to keep if, of course, Aubameyang was to leave. Um, and, and you know, you look at the, at the squad and we've just given uh, following Balogun a new contract, which suggests that he's part of the longer term plan. Gabriel Martinelli is someone we've talked about time and time again as potentially moving into that centre forward position. So there's, you know, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of different things you can do. Um, if the money doesn't come in for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, then I think you move on Alexander Lacazette because you have to move on one or the other, in my opinion. You've got one who's 32 years old, draining the club's resources and isn't really performing. And you've got another who will be entering into the final year of his contract. And we were promised, we were promised by the football club that that would not happen again. That Arsenal would not have to say goodbye to talent um, for whom we could have got transfer fees in for because we've allowed their contracts to run down. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, how this develops. But, you know, Aubameyang, I don't think Aubameyang would um, 
would be against moving away either, just based on his body language, based on the way he's conducted himself over the course of the last season. I think there's a, a chance that Aubameyang himself probably feels a little bit disengaged, probably feels like uh, he wants to move on and probably needs a new challenge. So yeah, I think it would just suit all parties. But that report from Matt Law was was mentioned or, or that detail was mentioned by Matt Law during a report in which he was talking about Chelsea and their hunt for a striker. So Matt Law has, has listed Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as one of the uh, players that they could potentially be looking at. I don't want to be selling him to Chelsea. Uh, I really don't. But as I say, right money, then for me, you've got a deal. Uh, moving on to talk about a couple of other bits and pieces. Emil Smith-Rowe is expected to sign a new contract extension with the Arsenal. We touched on that briefly on the last podcast, um, and I said we'd do it in a little bit more detail. And I just want to kind of pay tribute to Emil Smith-Rowe. And what, an incredible, um, what an incredible impact he has had since, uh, since coming into the team on Boxing Day, thrown into the mix. He got four assists, I think, in, in seven... Premier League appearances, if I'm not mistaken. I did look this up earlier on. I think he got two and then four. And then I think it was six uh, games, four assists in six games, something like that. Anyway, I need to check it out, but I was reading it earlier. Um, but yeah, he just had an incredible impact, brought a spark that we were really, really missing in that number 10 role. And I think over the course of the season, he's proved himself to be an incredible talent. Uh, his ability to pop up on either flank and combine and link up with players, cause overloads and pick out really key passes for me has been brilliant. If I was to say I had a couple of reservations over Emil Smith-Rowe, they would be his injury record. And I think he probably could do with adding a few more goals to his game, but that's a development area rather than it being a criticism of Emil Smith-Rowe. But I think he's got lots and lots to offer. Uh, to this football club. And I'd be delighted if Arsenal were able to sign him and tie him down on a new deal. His current one runs until the summer of 2023. So there's still a couple of years remaining on it. But I just think as a player of that age with the potential that he has, Arsenal probably need to be looking at, first of all, securing his future. But second of all, rewarding the player himself with a pay rise, which most new contracts have, um, that reflects his role in the squad. Because obviously uh, when he was given his previous contract he was a bit part player he was someone who was out on loan being sent out on loan and he's come back and been thrown in the deep end and grasped that opportunity with both hands so for me uh, Emil Smith-Rowe should sign a new contract I'd be delighted if he does and from what we've been told from what we've been reading today it seems uh, that Emil Smith-Rowe's contract situation is one of Richard Garlick's priority uh, things over the summer. So he is very keen to do that deal. Arsenal made it clear that they really, really want that deal to be done. And now it's over to Richard Garlick, who will be negotiating with Emil Smith-Rowe's representatives. And of course, going forward, Emil Smith, not Emil Smith-Rowe, Richard Garlick, sorry, will be taking up that role of negotiation. So any potential incomings, Richard Garlick is your man. He'll be the one sitting at the table with their representatives, with the players' representatives, trying to get those deals done. We talked a little bit earlier on about Luis Campos and the reports that Arsenal are keen uh, to bring Luis Campos on board. And some further information uh, has emerged since I uh, I recorded that show. And that further information is that it would not be to replace Edu. If Luis Campos is to come on board with Arsenal Football Club, it would be uh, for him to work with the club in an informal manner. 
which is what the report says. Chris Wheatley of Football.London has brought that to us. It would be in an informal manner whereby he would help with recruitment from a, a kind of external role. And I think, you know, from Arsenal's perspective, that, that would suggest that they're keen uh, in allowing Edu and Arteta to move forward, but they're probably a little bit worried about their inexperience, a little bit worried about um, about the mistakes that those two will inevitably make because of where they are at in their careers. And having somebody like Luis Campos in a kind of detached role would mean an extra voice, someone who could uh, guide them, someone who could put them on the right track, someone who could offer insight, who could offer advice, but without really stepping on Edu's toes. Uh, so I think that would be a smart move. And and I wonder um, if that's something that Arsenal will be able to get over the line. Now, we know Real Madrid are also incredibly interested in bringing Luis Campos to their club. They want to take him to the Santiago Bernabeu. Of course, they've just reappointed Carlo Ancelotti as boss. And Real Madrid are going to have to be creative in the transfer market, just like us this summer, because funds... Uh, are are short at the Bernabeu and there's no getting away from that. So they may be looking at Luis Campos as someone who could come in. And I just wonder how we compare uh, to Real Madrid if we were to go head to head in the race to sign him. Would he have more influence at Arsenal? Probably yes. Uh, but will the uh, the draw of Real Madrid prove too difficult to turn down? Who knows? Who knows? Also, the club have confirmed uh, the departures of uh, Danny Ceballos, who's returned to Real Madrid, Martin Erdegaard, who has returned to Real Madrid, Matt Ryan, who has returned to Brighton and Hove Albion, and of course, David Luiz, whose contract officially ends on the 30th of June, but that is already done. David Luiz is leaving the football club. David Luiz has left the football club. David Luiz is leaving the building. Uh, so there you go. Um just a bit of a talk on the Odegaard thing, because, of course, a lot of Arsenal fans want to see him signed. There are others that don't necessarily want to see him signed, that don't feel he's worth the money. And we read reports a couple of days ago that Real Madrid were looking for in excess of 60 million euros, around about 50 to 55 million pounds for Martin Odegaard's services. And as I've said before, I like Odegaard. I think he's a good player. I think he's someone that adds something to our squad. And I'd quite like Arsenal to sign him, but not for that money. That is crazy money. I wonder if Real Madrid's stance will soften as the transfer window goes on, as they find that they need to break the bank and are struggling to do so in order to bring in some of their primary transfer targets. Who knows? But £55 million pounds or around about that region seems excessive for Martin Odegaard. And I would not uh, condone Arsenal doing a deal at that sort of money. I think it would be irresponsible when you take into consideration how many issues this team has, how many areas we still need to address. No way. Uh, no way. Not for me. Um, you know, if you're talking about 30 to 35 million pounds, and I'm probably a little bit more open to it and probably see it uh, as a little bit more realistic. But Let's see. You know, uh, time will tell on that one. But I wouldn't rule out the signing of Odegaard just yet. And I wouldn't rule out Real Madrid accepting a lower fee than that. But um, that's what we're hearing at the moment. And of course, Carlo Ancelotti dealt us another blow when he started talking about how important Martin Odegaard and Gareth Bale will be to his plans moving forward. Martin Odegaard himself wouldn't really be drawn on what Carlo Ancelotti's reappointment uh, meant for his future. He was asked about it. Uh, by TV2, a Norwegian outlet, and he said uh, that he had a good relationship with Carlo Ancelotti in the past, contrary to what some reports had said previously, but that he's only been reappointed 
you know, a couple of days ago and he'd be lying if he said he knew any more than that or how he views things moving forward. So Martin Odegaard not shutting the door on a move to Arsenal, but also uh, not ruling out staying at Real Madrid. So um, we're going to have to see how that one develops as well over the coming weeks. Lots going on then. Uh, lots of different kind of reports doing the rounds. Lots of different stories gathering momentum. Uh, a couple of you were asking me earlier on if there is a um, an update on Andre Onana's uh, case uh, with the Court of Arbitration for Sport. I've not seen one. I've not heard of one. Uh, so I'd assume that that has not been delivered yet. That verdict is not uh, ready yet. And so we're going to have to wait and see on that. And I think that will play a massive part in whether Arsenal decide to move for the Cameroonian goalkeeper. Um, and of course, if they do, then maybe it spells the end for Bern Leno. I don't really know. Uh, but lots lots to happen at Arsenal over this summer. I'm sure there'll be lots of incomings. I'm sure there'll be lots of outgoings. Um, whether there'll be the incomings and outgoings we want, though, is uh, is another matter altogether. Right, we're going to run for around about 10 more minutes. So if you want to get your questions in the live chat, please do so. I'd love to hear from you and I'll pick up as many of those as I possibly can between now and the end of the stream. Don't forget, if you wish to become a member of the channel, uh, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. That will take you over to our membership page where you can find the proposition and decide whether or not you feel it's worth supporting the podcast and supporting me to bring you more content moving forward. Uh, also, if you haven't already, please do hit the like button. I can see right now there are over 230 of you watching, but there's only 49 likes on the board. Let's get that up to 100 ASAP. And if we can get that up to 150 between now and the end of the uh of the video, I'd be uh, absolutely delighted. Uh, Yo-Yo says, uh, would you swap Oba for Odegaard? Would I swap Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for Martin Odegaard? The answer is no. Um, and the answer is is no, not because I don't like Martin Odegaard. I've just, you know, waxed lyrical about him. I think technically he's very gifted, very secure. I think he brings a lot to the team. But um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang brings you goals. And even in his worst season, where he only managed 15 in all competitions, that's 15 goals that you'd, you'd be without. And given how Arsenal performed last season, imagine where we'd have been without those goals. So I just think goals are more valuable than what Martin Odegaard brings to the table. Um, that's that's my view. Um, you know, I know there are a lot of Arsenal fans that are really fed up with, uh, with the whole uh, Aubameyang situation and just want him to move on. But I do think if you move him on, you've got to replace those goals, whether that's by bringing in one centre forward who's going to mirror that total or by bringing in, a, you know, a few players and, and finding a way of getting goals out of some of the players around him uh, to kind of make that up. Uh, Wilson says, uh, do you think that Basuma will be an ideal midfield partner for Partey? I don't want to go into this one on for too long because I've talked about it before, but, um, you know, I, I'm not sure about Bissouma because, again, of the price, because I'm not sure if he's too similar to Thomas Partey. I do worry about that a little bit. Um, and I've, I've said before, he's not my number one choice. But if Arsenal signed him, wouldn't be disappointed. I think he's a good player. I think he could add something, but I'm not sure he'd be my first choice going into the window. Uh, Martin111 says, what do you think of Coutinho? He's a player who, of course, has it, you know, shown bags and bags of talent and quality in years gone by, but I'm not sure he's at that level anymore. And it, I'm not sure I'd be looking at him either. Uh, Greta joins us and says, yo, new subscriber, welcome uh, to the channel. Thank you for coming along. Really, really appreciate it. Great to have you on board. Uh, what else have we got? I'm going to pick out a few more here. 
Um, Jack the Ripper says, uh, what can we realistically expect for first team incomings this window? I think I'm not going to go that into specific names because I don't know. Um, but in terms of positions, I think we're going to have to see a left back come in. Say Kolasinac now being linked with a move to Napoli this summer, which makes it, um, you know, even less likely that he's going to return. I didn't think he would anyway, but, you know, we've got to kind of, um, we've got to kind of uh, look at someone to come in and replace Kieran Tierney when he's injured, when he's inevitably injured. On the right-hand side, you're talking about, you know, a right-back, especially if Hector Bellerin goes, I think we need to do better. I don't, I'm not sure I would trust all my faith in Callum Chambers or Cedric. So I think we'd need to do better in that area. But for me, the biggest priority for Arsenal this summer, and, the, and now, you know, someone else has asked me what the big priority is. So I'll answer these questions in one, is in the centre of midfield. It, you know, that is the massive area that Arsenal need to address. I think it's been a problematic area for Arsenal throughout the course of last season. And you consider that Matteo Genduzzi is likely to be sold, that Lucas Torreira is likely to be sold, that Granit Xhaka could even be on the move. Then you really have to home in on what is a, a key area of the pitch and make sure that you have what you need going into the next season. So, yeah, I think, you know, th that is the priority for me. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, da -da -da -da. Uh, I just saw a really good one. I'm just wondering where it's gone. It was something to do with KSE. Uh, here it is. Does Campos, the Campos news suggest KSE are learning from the past? Um, in some ways, yeah. Uh, but in other ways, no, because it feels like they're changing direction too often. Um, you know, I'm for Campos because I think he would bring something that we don't have. And that is largely just experience and know-how and, and, and the way and the kind of now of negotiating and all of that. But, you know, it, it just says that KSE made a mistake when they entrusted Mikel Arteta and Edu to completely take control of recruitment. And then six months down the line, eight months down the line, nine months down the line, whatever it is, they kind of do a U-turn on that and start looking at someone to come in and help in that department. Um, so it's an interesting one for me. But um, it might show that they're, they're learning their lessons, but they're not learning those lessons quick enough. And that's why we are where we are now. Uh, what else have we got? Um, let me see what we've got here. Uh, Carrie says, uh, would you take Carl Walker to replace Bellerin? I think Carl Walker's a phenomenal athlete and he's been playing at such a high level over the last few years. I do think he's slightly on the decline, but I think he'd be an upgrade on Chambers or Cedric, but you know, you've got to consider as well the amount of money that, that he'll be, um, he'll be demanding to, to make a move like that would be absolutely mad. And I'm not sure Arsenal would be able to, to afford his wages um, without trimming down that squad even more. And look, that's the great thing about not being in Europe, right? There isn't really a great thing, but you know what I'm trying to say. The fact that we're not in Europe means we can trim that squad down and we don't leave ourselves completely short. So yeah, um, let's see. Uh, let's see what happens, uh, what happens with that. But you know, yeah, I like Carl Walker, but I, I don't see it happening. I've got to be honest. Uh, let me pick up this one from Wilson, who says, which player do you prefer, Max Ahrens or Zeki Celik? Um, I've got to be honest, I haven't seen a lot of uh, of Zeki Celik. I, I talked about him a little bit yesterday on one of our podcasts, but I did say repeatedly that I'm not massive on Zeki Celik. Don't know a great deal about him, just what I've kind of, what I'd kind of researched yesterday afternoon. And he seems like a decent player. 
Um, Max Aarons would probably be my preferred choice of the two, but equally, Max Aarons is going to cost a hell of a lot money, uh, a hell of a lot more money, I should say, than Zeki Chilik, who we believe is going to be available for around about £13 million, uh, which is nothing this day and age for a right back. So let's see uh, how that one goes. But I'd prefer Aarons if given the choice, of course. Of course. Uh, I'm going to pick out one more. Um, Complex Theory says, why are we not targeting more EPL, more proven EPL players? We have a bad history of buying players who struggle to adapt to the league. I think that's a bit of a double-edged sword, that one, mate. I think when it comes to Premier League proven players, you have some confidence in the fact that you know they've already performed in this division. So, yeah, it's a great thing. But to get that peace of mind that comes with signing a Premier League proven player, as people like to call them, you have to also pay over the odds. And I don't know if Arsenal are in a position right now where they can pay over the odds. And so if you look around the continent and you find other suitable candidates who are essentially available for much lower prices, then I think that has to be considered. I think the, the Premier League proven thing is a thing but it's not as big a thing as some people make out, in my personal opinion, because I think if you're a great footballer, you will adapt. Sometimes it takes a bit longer, but I think then it's on the fans and the manager to be patient and understand that you've brought this player in and he's going to need a little bit of time to get up to speed. So, um, you know, yes, in an ideal world, you'd go out and get a load of players who have proven themselves in the English top flight, who you know will make that transition uh, transition sorry, seamlessly but we don't live in an ideal world and Arsenal might not have the funds to do that. In fact, I think Arsenal probably won't have the funds to do that. And that obviously uh, makes all the difference because at the end of the day, it's money that makes the world go around. Right. Um, let's check in on the likes once more. I can see there's over 300 of you watching across the multiple platforms, but we've not even hit 100 likes yet. Guys, what is going on? It doesn't cost you a thing. Please do hit the like button. I'm going to set an ambitious target by the time the outro pays, plays. But let's try and get to 125, which means 50 of you, one-sixth of you currently watching us live have to hit that like button to hit that target. So come on, let's do it. Um, it really does help the video, really does help the channel. Make sure you're subscribed if you're new. Make sure you check out our membership scheme if you'd like to. And I'm going to be back uh, tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content for those of you listening on the audio later on this afternoon. I'll catch you all very, very soon. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. As always, thank you for your questions and brilliant interaction. Ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast.